Joining us for a conversation is Dean Taylor, the CEO of DimeCore Mining, which is focused on supplying rough diamonds to the world markets. Mr. Taylor, thank you for joining us today, uh, sir. No problem. It's great to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to speak with you today as DimeCore Mining has some important news for shareholders regarding operations and a corporate update on the flagship Crone Endura at Venetia Diamond Project. Before we begin, Mr. Taylor, the diamond space has been attracting prudent capital that is seeking companies that explore and mine for diamonds. For someone new to diamonds, why is now an opportune time to consider being a shareholder in the diamond space? Well, I think uh, you know. Look, when we look at the uh, diamond space overall, it's not it's not widely followed. Um, there was two major players in uh, in the diamond space. One being uh, Alvarosa, which is the Russian government, which is obviously under pressure right now and, and sanctions. That was about thirty, close to thirty five percent of the diamond market of where the diamonds came. And those are obviously, uh, with everything going on with Russia and Ukraine right now. Uh, those those diamonds are obviously not uh, they're not something that the Western world is buying, nor do we expect that'll happen for quite a while. So that's a big big part of the supply chain that's that's missing at the moment. Um, the space in general was was already under pressure. If we look at uh, what has gone on, you know, with the finding new diamonds, diamond mines are extremely hard to find. Uh, there's really nothing of, of huge significance that's been found in the last sort of 15 years. And if we go out and, uh, you know, any of us went out and found the next diamond mine to supply, uh, it's probably going to take us, you know, 10, 10 plus years, maybe 15 years even to get it into production and probably two, three billion dollars. And even then, uh, you know, when we look at the total production of what it was uh, worldwide, it was probably somewhere around 130 million odd carats. So if you take 35% of that out, uh, you put in no new finds, and what you're going to see is is that uh, the supply of uh, you know natural rough diamonds, uh, the most valuable diamonds, is dwindling. And uh, you've got a lot of retailers. You've got a lot of uh, people that still are getting you know married. They're still having anniversaries. They're still having birthdays. All those types of things. And and so the the shortages are very real and they're and they're growing the the prices will capitulate from time to time as supplies go up and down depending on the years but the overall uh, dynamic is, is that we're looking at you know shortages of rough diamonds and you know that will certainly we expect to see uh you know synthetic man-made diamonds sort of come into play but the the real the, the big money uh diamonds that everybody wants the natural diamonds uh they're like art and and so uh, we just uh, believe that those, uh, you know, those stones and, and those diamonds, the gem quality ones especially, are just going to continue to go up in value. So it is a very compelling time uh, in terms of supply uh, demand. And, uh, you know, like I said, the dynamic with having, you know, the two biggest suppliers, like I said, Al Rosa being 35%, the beers, which is part of Anglo being, you know, probably around that same 30, 35%. Uh, those are the two big majors and, and uh, the rest is, is made up by probably 10 or 15 other companies. And that's it. So it's an interesting uh, space. Sir, you referenced the synthetic diamonds. On the most scale of hardness, are the synthetic diamonds just as hard as actual diamonds? Yeah, the, a synthetic diamond is, is created in uh, what's called H, HPHT, which is high pressure, high temperature. Um, it, it, does, it is a diamond that's grown using carbon at high pressure, high temperature. Um, the pricing on them is, is set uh, obviously very low. Um, and you know most of it, if we see the the opportunity in the synthetic side 
really as being for industrial use and then you know and, and certain other low-end jewelry kind of deal but the reality of the situation is is that it, it's similar to art or high-end uh, you know consumer products um, people gravitate towards rarity they gravitate towards quality you know natural diamonds probably 20% or gem or near gem quality it's extremely rare and uh, and that's going to command price for the long term uh, no matter what you do with synthetics but you know we see sort of synthetics as filling in some of the gap but we don't see it as being something that replaces the high end uh, natural diamond those are always going to command the most money and be the most valuable let's find out where and how dimecore mining fits in the narrative mr taylor please reacquaint us with dimecore mining and the opportunity the company presents to shareholders Sure. Um, Dimecore has always been, um, we are a production focused uh, company. Um, we do some uh, exploration and, and development of projects. Our key really is is to acquire non-core assets from the majors or stuff that is, you know, production capable, production ready or near term production. Um, those are the types of things we look to acquire. Um, something that may not be you know, big enough for the majors, but still is a very compelling opportunity for a company our size. Um, then we supply to probably a couple of hundred of the of the key suppliers in the world. We sell everything uh, in rough form in Dubai, um, and typically we look to try and acquire stuff that is a high percentage of uh, gem quality or near gem quality. Um, Right now, the key focus that we have is on our Cronendor at Venetia project, which is uh, co-located with the Beer's big uh, $4 million uh, Venetia project. Um, and so it's it's quite an interesting project in that about uh, the estimate is somewhere around a thousand vertical meters of the top of Venetia was pushed off uh, in a glacial event. That material from the top of the pipe was just delivered, uh, just distributed in an alluvial fan from the higher grounds of Venetia to the lower grounds, including our Corona and Dora properties. And so we end up with a near surface, um, you know, essentially a, a displacement of uh, a mix of material, diamonds, and that. Same diamonds, same quality, everything else. So it's a massive uh, uh, sort of more or less gravel pit strip mining operation where we we take that out and recover those diamonds and then we sell them to the world market. A very high percentage of gem quality, uh, gem or near gem, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about uh, you know sixty percent or something like that. So uh, that leads to a higher dollar per carat, a very attractive product. Well, you say it so modestly, but this is the fourth largest diamond mine in the world that you're adjacent to, and you also have a resource there. Can you tell us more about the resource? Yeah, it's uh, look. Venetia is 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 one of the most prolific diamond mines in the world. Um, it is one of De Beers' flagship mines. In its in its peak, it was doing, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of about nine million carats a year from the open pit. So you know, seven hundred fifty thousand carats uh, a month worth of diamonds. Um, they've recently uh, finished the open pit uh, portion of it, and now they've uh, I think they spent about two two and a half billion to go underground now. Uh, to continue, you know, continue going for the next 15 years. So, um, you know, that that project in itself, that De Beers project, is a massive one. You could imagine the, you know, the benefits to us, uh, you know, it being an area where we have paved roads, uh, you know, right to the gate. You literally go to, uh, you know, the gates, the security gates of Venetia, and you go straight through to their security, or you turn left and go to ours, and then go around to the back of the of Venetia, where the displacement has taken place. So um, we have a lot of benefit um, in terms of where we're, we're located. We know what the diamonds are worth. 
um, it's it's the only project like it in the world uh, in the world where we see this. It sometimes gets confused with uh, Maurice with an alluvial where you have. Uh, some of these African countries where you have uh, rivers that run over top of Kimberlite pipes, take the diamonds, distribute them downstream. That's not what this is. Um, this is a direct displacement uh, that occurs directly adjacent to the uh, Venetian pipe with the same diamonds. So it's a, it's really unique, and it's, a, it's an interesting project, to say the least. Well, thank you for the clarification. One of the big, and I do mean big feathers in your cap, are the strategic alliances that Dimecore Mining has been able to forge with two of the most prolific names in the diamond industry. I'm talking about De Beers and Tiffany. Mr. Taylor, why are two of the biggest names in the diamond space committed to being long-term partners in dime core mining? Well, I think that when we look at it, I mean, with De Beers, you know, anytime they'll, they sell these type of non-core projects, um, they put them out in a, an RFP. It's a competitive process. Um, they pick companies based on, you know, things like, are they capable of taking the the, the uh, project forward? Black empowerment, uh, ESG, all these different kinds of things. Um, they look at many many different things uh, when they when they do these projects. So in this particular case, it was probably a two plus year uh, process. We were essentially in the end chosen to acquire it. Uh, we do that, and then following that, uh, we we essentially made uh, a strategic alliance with Tiffany's. Um, Tiffany's has been very, very supportive. Um, they, of course, have been bought out by LBMH. Uh, but, you know, these are two giant, very, very high-profile, um, very, you know, they're, they're just excellent companies um, all around. Uh, they've been very, very supportive, and really their, their primary focus is supply. Um, even when we did the strategic alliance, it's not an off-take agreement where, where they get a discount. It is a strategic alliance, which is obviously requires a, a lot more work and things like that. But um, in the end, it's really about supply. Uh, long ago, they, you know, Tiffany's had already identified the fact that hey, there's there's potentially going to be shortages. It didn't materialize. Um, you know, for a number of years, there was there was enough supply, and it never really became a problem. Now it's it's back to that situation where I think a lot of the big players and a lot of the the really good uh, diamond companies and that are really they're they're really really looking for supply because it's getting tougher and tougher to buy uh, and get. So we're extremely lucky. Like I say, both companies are are very supportive. Um, of course, operating, uh, you know, co-locating with, with the beers like that is not something that you see very often. Um, and it does require, you know, that we operate at a, at a good level and, and they're involved in terms of overlooking and seeing what we're doing. So we're very proud of that. And Tiffany's, like I said, it's uh, for us, it's all about trying to grow the project out, um, trying to increase volumes, uh, trying to expand. Uh, get more diamonds and get those diamonds to uh, to Tiffany's uh, if they want them. Um, they of course only take the very best uh, stones <laughs> of what we have, but uh, you know, still, like I say, they, they've been extremely supported, and we're very lucky uh, to have that strategic alliance with with Tiffany's. Well, you referenced the word lucky. Luck is defined as when opportunity and preparedness meet one another, and that's what we have right here. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the truth. You, got, you have to get a bit lucky sometimes. <laughs> Anybody tells you any different, I don't think it's being very truthful. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, as we embark on this new year, let's recap the tumultuous 2022 in terms of the world economy and world geopolitics. What were, if any, the impacts on the diamond space and the impacts on dime core mining? 
Well, it certainly was a, you know, it was an interesting year in that, um, you know, COVID was, was obviously a, a tricky time. Um, for us, you know, pre-COVID, we were ready to, you know, essentially start doing what we were doing right now. Uh, COVID was a major setback. You literally had like, you know, less than a week to shut the mine down. Uh, and that, you know, which we thought originally would be a short-term thing, turned into a very long-term thing. So it was expensive. We had great shareholders. We essentially had a lot of support from our shareholders to get through that particular period. And then coming out of COVID was, you know, was then quite amazing that we got out of it, uh, survived it, started things going. And then, of course, uh, in the diamond industry, the big thing was is the invasion of uh, Ukraine by Russia um, and how that all materialized and developed and, and just continued on. Obviously, a very tragic situation, um, which led to, you know, basically worldwide, you know, uh, um, sanctions against Russian diamonds and, and things like that. Um, you know, we'll still see those stones being sold into China and different areas like that. But as, as far as Europe, the main... You know the main countries that actually make up most of the luxury sales and stuff like that. Those those diamonds are pretty much out of play, so that was a, a big development uh, that happened there. From an operational standpoint, um, you know, twenty twenty two for us was was tricky in the sense that uh, it's you know it's widely reported that South Africa had issues. Uh, their national um, power supplier, ESCOM. A lot of up and down there, a lot of problems with the power system that obviously had a negative effect on us. But, you know, we, we've got backup gen sets built into the project. We've got quite a bit of infrastructure uh, built around dealing with that. And that'll be one of our primary focuses as we go into 2023 as well is, is to become more independent of that power supply. And, you know, that's, that's sort of something we see as important going forward. But yeah, it was a it was a it was a different year. It was a good year uh, in in the sense that we we you know we did show profitability. Um, we've been able to get some bigger stones um, now. The December quarter, uh, we haven't put the financials out yet, but you know our gross revenues are are pretty much similar to what they were the previous quarter. So we're very optimistic about that. And now the key for twenty twenty three forward is just just to. Uh, you know, keep doing what we're doing in terms of growing processing volumes, increasing the amount of material we're processing, and then, uh, you know, bigger equipment, um, power systems, some additional stuff to add to capacity, and uh, then we're going to also start uh, branching out. We've only been working on a very small portion of this project, uh, probably about 15% to date. Um, but we're going to, uh, you know, we've always said, and we've, we've made it uh, very clear that, you know, the the plan here was we felt that we could get a near-term uh, production scenario with potential for cash flow and earnings even. And uh, from there, we would then branch out to the greater areas and, and see if we could uh, increase the, uh, the finding more of the deposit that were the displacement from, uh, from beneath. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be an exciting year. It's a bit of a tricky end to, uh, to December and to 2022. But overall, you know, it's a very, very positive time. So it's exciting. I'd like to go back a moment here to the blackouts. You know, there's yeah. the, the word here I'm I'm thinking of immediately is the word resiliency. Your company had blackouts out of your control. You had some lessons learned and you're prepared in the event that more should come. You have a plan of action here. But what's impressive to me is that you were able to have positive cash flow at the end of Q3. Yeah. That speaks yeah. volumes of your business acumen there. 
Yeah, there's a few things that affect it, Maurice. There's, you know, obviously it's volume. We've we've talked a lot about the development of our our. We've got two very large plants that we've developed. Um, you know, th those we've increased the size of um, to increase that hourly volume that, that we're able to produce through those, uh, you know, or put through those um, those plants. Um, the power systems have always been a little sketchy. Um, we see that, you know, oddly enough, we're seeing more and more around the world with, with power and, and, you know, rolling blackouts or load shedding, as they call it, that type of thing. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing it all over. Um, and, you know, it, it, it does take, in mining in general, there's a lot of different variables. There's a lot of different things that happen that can cause delays. That's what makes it tricky. Um, you definitely have to be resilient. You definitely have to make a plan. Um, what we'll end up doing is we'll end up, uh, you know, what we'll what we'll look at really in trying to get done in the first quarter here is uh, maybe an extension of the power line to get onto what what's referred to as critical services, where we're only subjected to maybe one outage uh, at a time instead of three or four. That makes it difficult for us taking a plant up and down. Mm -hmm. uh, the installation of bigger gen sets um, so that we can run on those uh, without any issue. Uh, battery backups that allow us to not have to shut the plant down when there's a switch from the main power line over to the gen sets. Um, and then also power conditioning, which is important in the sense that the power is not, you know, it's like gasoline. If it's if it's lower octane or, or dirty or, or dirty power, um, it's hard on motors. It's hard on everything. So we put in systems that condition that power so that we have uh, more potent clean power. So that's one of the key objectives that we look at. Um, we looked at solar. I don't think solar is a solution. Most people, uh, we've looked at it for a couple of years. I don't think that most people under, you know, a lot of people think, well, you just put in solar panels and you operate on, you know, solar. That's not really the case. Um, it's a supplement. You still need the power line. You still need the gen sets. You still need the batteries, everything else. So I think for now, uh, you know, we've dealt with the ESCOM situation and planned with it for quite a while. It's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, that's just, like I said, that's part of mining where you have to uh, you have to be resilient and you have to make a plan. And that is one of our, our key things that we look at as, as being something that we, we definitely need to address. It's It's been off and on. We may find that we put in this system and don't use it really that much um you know who knows but uh, the key is it's more like an insurance policy where we look at it and say okay you know the the capex is not that high on this we can we can probably fund it from uh you know from cash flow and so uh it just makes sense to have it in there and, and be more independent of that particular issue so that's that's what we're going to do now you may have already covered this but just one more time here what other operation milestones or goals does the company have in store for 2023 well, I think when we look at it, we kind of categorize it in terms of what we see as the most. We have a list all the time of, of different things that we look at, stuff that's sort of what we call as critical items or the most important things to get done. And then other items that are sort of nice to have. Um, probably the four items we have right now um, that we'll want to see going forward is, you know, first and foremost, December was, December was tricky. We, you know, in South Africa, you know, it's a combination of Christmas and summer holidays because it's it's obviously the different time of year reverse from North America. So we always know that December is going to be a little bit of a, you know, we're going to miss some days there due to Christmas, New Year's, just the overall holidays. Um, it was kind of exasperated in December by we had unusual rains, a lot of rain, which makes it tricky for our screening systems. Um, and then the power outages, which which were really 
you know, they really accelerated. So the number one thing that we see as being the goal for the new year that we want to try and get uh, done is the power systems uh, upgraded. Um, so we're hoping to get that done in the first quarter. Um, the, the second thing we'll be doing is we're going to add some additional uh, large uh, large material screening systems. Um, they essentially, what they'll allow us to do is put the larger material, say, from we dry screen from one millimeter up um, to, say, about 32 mil. Uh, we'll split off. We have equipment that we've already identified uh, that we're going to uh, install that will allow us to put all that larger material, say, from maybe around seven mil up through those machines. It essentially will double the throughput of what we can do right now. It's been planned for, for quite some time. Um, so that's sort of the second thing that we want to see. As soon as we do that, um, we have a good relationship with Caterpillar. Most of our CAT equipment uh, by April, May is, is paid off. Um, so we'll be adding more uh, bigger, larger equipment or additional equipment to the picture to be able to support that. And then uh, additionally, like I was saying earlier, we probably only be focused on this initial, uh, you know, roughly 600 hectares of this, of the 5,800 we have. Uh, and, uh, you know, with, that's only about 15%. We've, we've always known that the displacement sort of with the general area that goes, uh, we've done some drilling there previously. We know where the deeper areas that have the most potential for accumulation are. And so that's something else we want to get going on here right away is, is drilling and bulk sampling out there to uh, see if we can locate uh, some more. Um, you know, the original assumption was that, uh, you know, there was as much as a, a thousand vertical meters of the, the pipe of Venetia was displaced. You know, we know that Venetia is roughly around 100, you know, carats per hundred tons. So when we, we look at that material, it's roughly 50 million tons of material. I mean, you know, 50 million carats went somewhere and, and they didn't go far. Now, we're never going to find that amount. Um, but certainly, you know, the ability to, you know, potentially locate five to 10 million carats in the, in the, in the surrounding areas is very real. So, you know, the key was, is to get the project up and running, do these, these trial mining exercises, um, you know, get the dollar per carat established, get the operating, you know, operations in order, get everything built out. And then as we did that, uh, you know, grow the project from there. So, yeah, those are the, the four main things, so the, you know, the power, the additional capacity, additional equipment, and uh, then branching out into additional areas. So it's those are probably our four key items that we're looking at for 2023. Sir, I know that in terms of news flow, DimeCore Mining is very conservative. Do you expect 2023 to be robust in terms of news flow? I think it's going to be more... Um, you know, I'm one of those people, and I think most of our shareholders the same way. Um, look, it's a public company, and we want to keep people abreast And that. Um, we don't typically put out news for no apparent reason just because we feel like we, you know, feel like, hey, it's time for a news release. Um, it's good to have good news flow, but we always look at it where, you know, I don't mind putting news out if, if we've got good things to talk about or we've got real results that are meaningful. But, you know, to me in mining, you know, when you look at news releases, every 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 check or every amount of money you spent, there's always variable, you know, various areas it can go to. And we just chose in the past to, you know, stick to our knitting really and, you know, put out news when we had to, but not not really be overly promotional when we don't have to either. But I think that 2023, I think we're going to have some real, you know, I, I think we're going to have some real good things happening that are going to just in general, uh, you know, require more news flow, I think, you know, that's that's the way I see it playing out. Well, looking forward to it, sir. Leaving the project yeah. site, let's look at some numbers. Mr. Taylor, please provide the capital structure for DimeCore Mining. 
Nine course sitting right now, um, you know, we were we we're in obviously better shape before, um, you know, before COVID. Um, largely, we did increase or we did have some dilution due to, to COVID, but it was pretty much um, every one of the existing shareholders and large shareholders stayed proportionately the same. So while the, while the share structure went up, you know, the actual shareholder ownings percentages really kind of stayed the same. About 130, I think it's around 133 million fully diluted. Um, so for a mining company, not too bad. Um, the, the real key is obviously with, with COVID and everything else that's gone on, uh, these mining projects go up and down. Like everybody gets excited about them as things are going great. Something like COVID happens or otherwise, and, and they get a little depressed. The overall uh, mining space is down a bit right now. And, you know, that's why we see right now this inflection point or the, the opportunity, the compelling opportunity. We traded probably around 20 cents or so Canadian. So when you look at that number, that's, you know, that's that's a sub $30 million uh, market cap on a company that, like you said, has shown, you know, some pretty good numbers in, in terms of quarter over quarter growth in that. Um, we think the value proposition here is amazing. Um, we've probably spent, you know, over, you know, the, the time it takes to get this built over a 10 year period and permitted and up and running. You know, we've probably spent close to $100 million. So we think the value proposition is there. We think the inflection point in time is now. We just need to do our job in terms of getting the uh, the processing levels up and then uh, and, and just keep doing what we're doing quarter over quarter growth. And I think that that, you know, price comes to value. So I think that'll take care of itself in the end. And just a reminder for everyone listening here, the ticker symbol for Dimecore Mining is D as in Delta, M as in Michael, I as in Indigo. And let's let's revisit that for one moment here. You've already committed one hundred million to your to the Cronin door essentially, and your market cap is sitting below thirty million. That is screaming yeah. sale. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's you know and, and you know, look, there's a lot of different mining deals that, you know, we've seen people spend a billion dollars and they've become worthless. Um, this this is an interesting, very interesting proposition in that, uh, you know, we're already demonstrating the viability in terms of, you know, we can see roughly what the operating cost, per, you know, per ton is. We can see what the revenue per ton. The diamonds, you know, they're, you know, our, our average, we've sold probably a couple hundred thousand uh, off this project. So we know very well what the diamonds are worth. Uh, we know that they're probably over double what the worldwide average is. Worldwide average is probably somewhere around $100 a carat uh, when you mix all the, you know, the the gem and your gem with all the industrial and high percentage of that. We're probably, you know, we're seeing sales in the 200, 230, 250. I mean, we've seen, you know, the project has uh, certainly potential for big stones as well. Benicia, their largest is up to 300 carats. Um, so far, the largest we've pulled out is 91.6, but we're seeing these bigger stones. We had a, you know, 59 carat, uh, you know, a couple of months ago in that one quarter, there was a million, you know, plus dollar stone. Uh, we're going to see these more as the volume, you know, goes up. That's the, you know, that's the the assumption and, and what the potential is. So, you know, it, it's something where, you know, a good two, 300 carat stone, if it's exceptional quality, you could, you could actually do, you know, a majority of your market cap in, in one day. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, you know, look, it is what it is. Um, I think that, like I said before, price, you know, comes to value. And I think that as we go through the next few quarters, if we can continue to demonstrate this quarter over quarter growth, uh, I think that the story just becomes too compelling. And as you get, you know, one thing we are doing right now, more so, uh, as you know, is we are 
you know, we're looking at to bring awareness up to key groups, you know, to high net worth, uh, small funds, those types of things, guys that really can look at these types of deals um, and take us from sort of this level to where we can really start to do some numbers. If we can increase the size and increase the processing volumes, then we come a little bit more attractive to, uh, you know, some bigger money guys. Uh, you know, we've already seen that in past times when we were trading, you know, well over a dollar, we've seen, you know, bigger funds come in, AGF, Vertex One, we've seen these guys coming in at, a, you know, $5 million for, you know, about a dollar a share. Um, different time, different momentum, everything else. But we think that, you know, right now, we think sort of 2023 forward, this is going to, I think, you know, really when I look at the value proposition now compared to even then, I think we're, we're in much better shape right now. We just have to to demonstrate the, the forward momentum that uh, we've got established here and keep going. That's That's the key. Well, I'm a proud shareholder for the virtues you've conveyed so far in this message. I tell you <laughs> what, you I, go. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I, appreciate I, I definitely have a full confidence in you and your team, sir. Now, before we close, Mr. Taylor, what would you like to say to shareholders? Well, I think, uh, like I said, uh, my my thought right now is, is uh, you know, we have a great team, great great group of people, great experience. Um, you know, mining is not uh, an easy thing, and diamonds are not easy to find. And I, I think we're positioned very, very well to take, you know, take advantage of the uh, what's unfolding in the industry. And I think we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do very well. I think twenty twenty three is going to be another year of, you know, advancement. And uh, like I say, I think the value proposition right now warrants consideration. And uh, you know, look, we're we're looking forward to the year and and to getting going further. So you know, I, I like I said everybody right now it's about uh you know like i say awareness you know getting the word out telling people this is what we have this is where we're at you know this is what we're trying to accomplish in the next you know one two three four quarters and then uh you know trying to attain those goals and, and let people become comfortable that hey you know quarter over quarter this is going the direction we want so that's that's kind of where we're at right now last question sir what did i forget to ask <laughs> i don't think too much uh like I said, it's uh, 2022 uh, was uh, a, a year of, you know, great progress, a lot of hard work. The guys, you know, I'm very proud of our team and our guys. They did a great job. And uh, now 2023, you know, December was a tough one. Um, but, you know, look, now January, February, March, uh, you know, we've got, you know, we're just into the beginning of it here. And, and the key is to try and uh, do better in that March quarter. Uh, and, you know, it's busy. There's a lot to do. So it's nice. Everybody comes back to work you know, kind of around the 5th in South Africa. So things are starting to ramp up again. So it's, you know, it's it's busy. So, you know, I don't think you forgot really asked too much. Uh, like I said, I think the opportunities there, I think the the project has extreme, you know, it's it's got a lot of potential. Uh, the partnerships with people are great. Uh, we're a long ways down the road here. This is not sort of a, you know, early stage uh, type of deal. Um, so it, it warrants consideration and having a look at, that's for sure. Mr. Taylor, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Wishing you and DimeCore Mining the absolute best, sir. Thanks, Maurice. Cheers. Cheers, sir. 
The information presented on Proven Improbable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.